morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of OTT, where we discuss everything related to fashion, pop culture, and really, whatever I want. <laughs> Today, I'm joined by my friend and fashion designer, Harris Reed. Reed is a gender-fluid fashion designer who recently graduated from Central St. Martin's Fashion Design with Marketing course. In the midst of a pandemic, they launched their graduate collection entitled Thriving in Our Outrage, a collection done with flair. And guess what the collection included? Flares. The collection's title is fitting considering the times we are living in. Reed also starred in Gucci's first gender-neutral fragrance campaign last year, and their work has found fans in Solange and, of course, Lahari Styles. Harris Reed. Hey, girl. Thank you so much for doing Hey, beautiful. How are you doing? You look so cute right now. Oh, honey, thanks. You know, I'm just trying to keep up that spirit. I have my crystals, my candles lit, and I'm ready to kind of go full in with this. Let's go in. I was going to say something <laughs> else, but I'm not trying to make a joke like this at this time. <laughs> I'm so excited to do this, but of course, we need to read the room. Again, this is a reminder there that we are still in the middle of a civil rights movement. Please keep signing petitions, donating if you can, and a reminder that all Black lives matter. And just because your feed is back to normal, that does not mean we're living in a utopia yet. Now that we've read the room, we can read the girls. No, I'm kidding. First of all, (laughs) these have been unprecedented times. So for you, how have you taken quarantine? And what have you been doing? I mean, obviously you did a collection, but what have you been doing to stay sane? I mean, it's so crazy to me because I feel like even though in London now, I know we're kind of like coming through the lockdown, it's still, we're still completely in it. Obviously, you know, COVID hasn't gone anywhere. It's definitely been an interesting switch because obviously going from being at uni every single day, and even though obviously I was doing uni, but also doing shoots and doing my own brand and doing other projects, you know, uni really was that kind of day-to-day thing that was kind of my structure, keeping me together, keeping me sane. So kind of switching to immediately being at home. I live alone and doing the collection. I had someone living with me. We were quarantining together. That was its own kind of crazy mess in itself, as you can imagine, when you make hats as big as I do and we like drama. We like bigger, you know, larger than life. We love big. We love big. We love big. We do. We <laughs> love big. We love kind of anything that creates a huge impact. That's a big statement. But I think a lot of it was, <laughs> it was hard. I don't know. I feel like I've done like a lot of things where I could say, obviously, I got into meditating. I got indoor cycling bike. I was drinking literally, I don't know, 20 cups of herbal tea a day. I was using all these crazy weird sleep drops. It was a really fucking hard. I think the thing that's good as a creative person is, I'm somebody that really gains a lot of passion and excitement from creating with my hands. So being able to literally take whatever was around me and morph it, mess with it and make it into something on top of doing it for a collection was kind of my way that I like held my ground. But I'm not going to lie. It was just a really, we're in freaking fashion, sweetie. You know, when you have to sit with yourself by yourself for more than 48 hours, you start being like, who am I? What am I doing? What's going on? And it was like a big kind of slap in the face a bit. It really kind of made me rethink, but rethink the way that not only do I want to have a brand, but also the way that I kind of want to live my life as a person. Going from Central St. Martin's place where I was kind of a work ethic, but I just feel like, you know, I kind of maybe lost a bit of my checking in to make sure I was okay, what maybe I wanted to kind of do and how I wanted to feel. So it was definitely a mix of taking a step back, kind of checking in with me, having multiple breakdowns, creating this collection in my outrage, driving my outrage. And that kind of was my saving grace. Shout out to Grace. So let's go back to the day that we found out that the lockdown was happening and that basically the year that we thought that we were going to have was no more. What do you remember about that day? And 
How did you take it at first? I thought it was kind of a joke. I didn't actually take it seriously. I actually have footage on my cell phone of me with my friend Bradley and Pablo and Molly. And we were all like, you know, swimming. I was like, guys, I literally was like, it's all over. It's all ending. We're all going home. It's done. I didn't believe it was real because I think we were like, in that home stretch, we just showed all mm. of our twalls. We had the full twall lineup. You were there, the gowns. And I think I kind of was like, there's no way this is happening. Even though they were like, clear your stuff out. Go. Mm. And I remember just having all these videos where like, I wasn't even making fun of it or laughing at it, but I just didn't believe it was going to be real. No, five years doesn't amount to this. This isn't going to happen. And then I think it then felt really real when then I was packing everything up. But even when I was packing things up, I left and still at the school, there's so much of my stuff there because... I was, this isn't really happening. And I knew it was, and then my mom was in Italy. I just think, again, you know, I think sometimes as an artist, you just get so in your head that you're like, nothing else is happening, you know, which again, is it's, it's a great reality check, 100%. But it was just like, I was like, no. But I think it was really what, that night, the first night I got home and I was just sitting there surrounded by almost trash bags full of my fabrics and the metal cages and all this stuff. But I was like, Every, huh. as we know it, is about to and has changed. And it was, you know, it was, it was a couple of days of just me kind of crying. You can tell my helper moved in with me to quarantine through the whole thing. And it was a good, probably more than a couple of days, it's probably like a good week, two weeks where like, I kind of was a bit off the grid. I just kind of, I didn't really know. You know what I mean? I had all these plans. I was, you know, I was like, I'm going to show in September. You know, I want to like have this brand. I want to do showroom, you know, things lined up. And then it was kind of, is fashion relevant at a time during a global pandemic? Is, is you know, all of this actually meaningful when actually there's people dying? You know, I was knowing people left and right who were being infected in other countries. I was so fortunate that a lot of people I knew didn't actually pass away. There were people that friends of friends and family of family that, you know, did pass away. And it was a crazy thing. But it was just a thing where I I was so, I really was struggling with this idea that for me, fashion and that thing who I identified with and that persona, I was like, is this something that I should still be pursuing? Is this relevant? And then it really was after kind of like a week or two weeks that I was like, honestly, what I'm creating isn't fashion. It's creating, you know, hopefully escapism, hopefully trying to build a world. I'm not here to be like, I'm making all these t-shirts to buy. I'm making, you know, a world. And I think that is, you know, I don't know. There's no, no shade to t-shirts, but I kind of was like, I'm making, I'm making something I really believe in. And I think I started kind of finding my own escape out of a flat of working, you know, 14, 17 hour days. And I kind of just got lost in that little Harris Reed fluid realm with you mm. kind of bounced in and out of. So yeah, still wrapping my mind around all of it. It's a lot. Also for a disclaimer, obviously, I have worked with Harris for a few years now as a lit model. So I know, first of all, firsthand the way in which you work. And when you work at your house, you are working. It's not like, it's not like there's a separation of church and state. You're working at your house. It's for 23 hours. It's a right. nonstop where you have to be in your house and you can't leave. On that note, honestly, Charlie, like it was a thing where... I've never just lived within my work fully because obviously I've worked from home, but you know, I would, oh, I'd go stay at some friends' houses. Oh, like, you know, I'd go between school, but like to be living amongst all of it. And then honestly, towards the end, because the pieces got so big, so grand, the fabric was, you know, taking up the hallway, taking up the bathroom, taking up the kitchen. Like, I just remember like sleeping in the same bed with my helper, Bella, and we were both just there. And I think we were both just like about to kill each other because you know, there's no space. It was just, it was, it was crazy. And also as well, I don't just make small little pieces. I can stay in one room. I'm making, you know, that's at three meters diameter. I'm making, you know, steel crinoline cages of 96 meters of steel boning. It was, it was Alice in Wonderland house, but on meth because it was just. Not meth. 
I mean, it quarantina, was, quarantina, quarantina. I don't know what it, it was. Just I yeah. mean, honestly, it was just pins, needles, nails everywhere. There was barbed wire from like doing some of the hats. I had to use wiring. Like it was going to like the shop underneath me, which is a B and Q, and trying to use building materials to basically make demi couture. Like it was insane. One of the most rewarding experiences by far, but it was just an incredibly crazy process. So now, from obviously, you had everything done, like twirls done, the whole vision done, the whole moment done. When you had to move to work in your house, how did it change? And also, how do you think your work changed? Also for the better as well, because I think, I can I mean, I can speak for myself, when there are less voices around are a lot of setbacks, but you really, really have to hone in on what you want. So you might have a tutorial, but at the end of it, you can hang up the computer. Yeah, no, of course. Or you could not pick up the computer. Well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not doing that. That's that's a personal. <laughs> how was that for how was how was that for you? How was- the thing was honestly, it was so interesting because I think I think the thing for me was this idea that I went into final year and I I didn't have a time to take a break from Gucci, from from Harry, from custom work, from matches. There was so much going on in the most incredible way, and the most I've never I could never be more grateful. But I really didn't have any pause. So I kind of ran into it, got into collection, was like, I'm going to make this big statement. I'm going to do all this stuff. But I feel like I really didn't have the proper time because I was just hearing voices everywhere. And again, whether that's tutors, whether that's peers, whether you know how it can be when you're working in a studio of, you know, some of the most talented people in the world slash, you know, we're all such, you know, we're all such badass, you know, we're personalities. You you look around and someone's already, you know, doing a final piece and you're still there with pattern paper. You literally like, oh my God, I'm, you know, so it was definitely interesting because I always was the person to love being in the studio because that sense of camaraderie for me within the fashion space and just being able to have Molly, have Bradley, have, you know, all these people just be able to give in opinions. But at the same time, I feel like if you don't have enough time to sit with yourself, sometimes it can get a bit too, I don't know, you can kind of start questioning yourself. So I think to answer this question in a shorter way, I think the second I went home and was able to kind of disconnect, take those take those zoom calls and to take those tutorials but really at the same time like once your computer's closed you're kind of alone you're free um, <laughs> and you're free so yeah. it was it was a thing where i think it was great because i feel like i really reconnected with my with who i was within my work i remember i saw grace wells bonner one of my last tutorials before i broke up mm-hmm. um and she was just really amazing and going through the stuff and she's like this is really you know you have big aspirations this could be really amazing um but she's like just make sure you don't lose yourself and i remember at the time being like what is she talking about? I'm not going to lose. This is so me. And then going into isolation, it's like I had all these kind of crazy colors and crazy prints. And I was kind of like, is that me? It was like, I think when you got to kind of step away, it was like strip. And again, when we say strip it back, you still saw the collection. It was still crazy over the top. But it was, it definitely was a thing of kind of listening to my own gut, my own intuition, and kind of refining my own inner voice. The voice that I thought was there because I was so loud and proud and in your face. But I kind of, lost touch with that inner voice who was actually the person to be like, no, this is good enough. No, this is good. Stick to this. Not the person who's, you know, craving attention or craving approval, you know, which I think mm-hmm. no matter how confident you are within yourself, you know, you're at you know, St. Martin's. It's the best fashion school in the world. You want to have that approval. Tutor saying one thing about someone else's stuff, it's, you know, in my head, oh, okay, I need to make it bigger. I need to make it more roughly. I need to make it mm-hmm. crazy. And then you actually realize I need just to make it me. So I think being alone at home, and then when Bella joined me later, she was just, 
I loved it as well because she just never really wanted to give an opinion. She was like, no, you do what you need to do. And so it really let me make my vision. And I think when it came into fruition and it happened, it felt very authentic. It felt very romantic. It felt very fluid, very opulent. But yeah, it was definitely, definitely, I think to sum it up, just really kind of finding your your voice again, my voice again. As we're talking about obviously authenticity and we're talking about evolution, Mm. in the five years that you were there, how do you feel you've not only transformed, but mm. also really come into your power and kind of come into your own authentic voice. I love that. I think for me, Sandra St. Martin's that whole, again, like you said, five years, like, fuck. Like, it's crazy oh. that, like, we it's done. Like, um, it was such it was such a roller coaster ride in the most kind of insane way because I think I came to London and I thought I was like, I was like, I know who I am, I know, you know, what my style is, all this stuff. And you know, I remember walking in first day and like all Saint skinny jeans, combat boots and a leather jacket with little flippy fake blonde hair and being like, I'm so like, you know, quirky. You know what I mean? It was like mm-hmm. eighteen things that I know what I'm doing. And then I remember just meeting everyone and you know, shaved eyebrows, bleached platinum hair, ponytails, mohawks. Everyone was expressing themselves as you know, at that time I was like, oh, it's, you know, gay, bisexual, transgender. And it was like pansexual. It was people who are, you know, non-binary. Like, you know, it was, it was really, it was really me discovering kind of who I was, not only as a designer, but as a fucking person. And I think that journey was you know, a crazy roller coaster. I remember foundation of like going out to the lover boy nights that Charles Jeffrey would throw and like just literally being at these events where I was like, I remember calling my mom at night and being like, mom, am I basic? Cause I felt like I just felt so, I felt like there was just so much more growing to do as a person, seeing all these people who were so confidently kind of flamboyant or confidently just their self, like them, their, like their best selves. And it was kind of, it was a mix between kind of a lot of, you know, crying, a lot of evolving, a lot of questioning. And then really, I think by the last like couple of years, it was kind of like, you know, it came into myself, I came into my sexuality, I, you know, I realized that, you know, I was more than just, you know, being a gay man, I wanted, you know, to identify within like the fluid spectrum and be someone who was, you know, gender fluid that went then into my work, you know, being at CSM, I decided that that decided I found that, you know, the second I stopped designing for what I thought people wanted and designed for myself and me as kind of my own demographic, then it kind of all started clicking and making sense. You know, those led those like, you know, the yellow brick road to kind of, you know, doing stuff for Salon, doing stuff for Harry Styles, moving on with my career, going to Gucci, coming out of Gucci, doing my own stuff. It really kind of all the pieces found their place. I honestly think as well, like I always get that question as well, just in some of like interviews I do about like, you know, do you think fashion school is still relevant in a time like now or all this stuff? And I'm, I kind of, I'm always like, it's so hard because like, I don't know with Instagram, everything, but then at the same time, Center St. Martin's to me, I felt like we were all like, people from all over the world who worked so hard to get there that I think besides the friendships I've made, those contacts and the things that like, those experiences you go through, I feel like you couldn't get just through doing fashion through Instagram or doing fashion through kind of an unorthodox or, you know, non-traditional way. I get exactly what you mean. And especially when it comes to experience, you can never replicate experience. Mm, No, you can't. I know exactly what you mean in terms of being like, okay, you think you know who you are. And then you're like, wait, do I? What? Ah. No, exactly. And it's, it's like, almost like the comparison. No, you realize you're like, you look, I thought the whole time I've been looking in the mirror, but then you actually like get a fucking cloth and clean that mirror. And you're like, mm. oh, the mirror's been completely charred the whole time. And actually you have no idea who that person is that you thought that you knew. Girl. Let me, let me, let me, let me take some glass of my rosé. We're going to get back into what you were talking about in a second, but before we do, when it came to do this rollout, girl, also, did you ever watch Scandal? No. You love a white hat. 
Now, I'm not going to be messy and ask why the hat's white, but... (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, It's because it came from the white show. I'm going to kill you. Um, I mean, from the white show with the white hat. No, I'm kidding. Listen, (laughs) you are a future milliner. That rollout with the white hat was sickening. Also, the campaign, Lauren Hunter, our girl, the animation was Mm. absolutely beautiful, absolutely stunning. But how did this Instagram filter come about? How did... Jeremy O'Harris come about? How did all of this come about? Because it was a whole moment within itself. So basically, like I kind of said, I went home after that. You know, everyone needs to go home. Isolation's happening. You know, you need to get out of school. Mm-hmm. I was in denial. It hit me hard. I cried. I was like, there's going to be no show. There's going to be, you know, not this moment. And again, as well, like I'm very, I'm very aware that I've been so lucky to build up a following and to have people who've seen my work. But really, you know, you go to see some for, for that five minutes that you're closing on the runways. It really came down to once I kind of, re- I went back to my research, realized that I wanted to do these kind of these sets. I wanted to get Lauren Hunter involved, this guy, Lucas Palermo, who's also a student to like, sorry, Palumbo, um, to basically make these kind of crazy il- illustrated sets. I was like, how do I get people feeling kind of excited about this? Like, how do I get people who want to kind of be a part of it or involved? And I remember I had, I just like kind of had like this moment where I went back through Instagram, I was scrolling and I was kind of just like seeing like horrible maybe, but just like what my most liked photos of my work were, like what people's kind of responses were, even back down to like my emails from first to you know third year about people being like, oh, what were my most requested pieces? And I was continually the white hat because such a kind of an icon, I hope an iconic statement. It's just so large. It was something that's not easy to ship or get around. So a lot of times it couldn't go to people. And I just was thinking one night, probably like three or four in the morning, just being like, can I make a filter? I was just, could I just like, with like with Gen Z, with Gen X, with Instagram, with TikTok. Are you with Gen Z? I don't know how. I'm 1996, so I'm. I think I'm you're a boomer. I think yeah, she's just you know from the 30s. No, I'm kidding. Am I? I, don't I think you're a millennial. Because you're the same. I'm, no, I'm millennial. I'm millennial. Oh my god, right? So j- millennial scratching everything. So millennials. Gen- no, but it was like for me, it was this thing where I was like, everyone. I think that the days of everyone being like behind the velvet curtain and not knowing what's going on and being excluded was kind of over. I think between TikTok, Instagram, all these other platforms, everyone is just so eager and not even eager. They, they should be a part of the like the, the design, the fashion show experience, or a concert, or like anything. So. I just kind of was like, this filter is a really, if this works, I think it could be kind of huge. And then I started working with Lauren Dean Hunter, who is a really good friend of mine. And um, she kind of helped me just start, kind of start developing it. We brought on, you know, one of her friends and a friend of mine, and we just kind of all started putting it together. And um, Teresa was so just great about whipping it out. We were all just kind of students. She just graduated, Lauren just graduated, I was graduating. And then it was just this thing where once the filter was done and ready, I was kind of like, okay, well, over these past couple of years, I've had a lot of people saying, you know, can I help? Like, I would love to help you in any way I can. And I was kind of like, you know, I'm doing air quotes right now. That thing of, you know, no, but you know what I mean? I mean, girl, you know. So it's, it's one thing to have all these amazing editors, models, actors say that they're going to help you. But it was kind of like, okay, this is to see if people are going to rise to the occasion. And I literally kind of, you know, whether it was Jeremy O'Harris or, you know, Kiernan Shipka or Kaya Gerber or all these just people. And I literally was like, hey, I'm launching my graduate collection. It's all about my kind of gender fluid, opulent, performative world that I hope that we all are able to inhabit and live in. Mm-hmm. Would you mind using this filter and like helping me kind of getting the collection awareness as the collection drops? I think it was three days from when the filter came out. And the responses was just crazy overwhelming. Over 890,000 people used the filter within like a couple weeks. And it was just crazy. It literally, it was 
so cuckoo. And I think the thing that was so great about it is in the messages that I received from everyone, it was, I think people really felt like they were a part of the experience, not only from watching my Instagram stories and me being there, literally like theming the fabric, doing things, whatever, documenting everything. We're really able to feel like they were kind of part of the experience. Yeah. But I think that's also very much a testament to the times that we're in, Mm. where I feel like before fashion was a very kind of, realistically with the technology, it wasn't, that it wasn't something that you could be a part of in terms of gatekeeping, topics like that. There wasn't that Mm. level of camaraderie and also a level of access. Mm. But you kind of talked about community and how people have shown up for you recently, but who have kind of been the people that have been around for you and helped get you to where you are now? I think, I mean, honestly, great question. It's like, there's like, I feel like almost the two groups there. There's my core friends mm-hmm. in London, which I would be nothing without, which, you know, obviously includes you, my darling. Oh, you yeah. know, it's that thing of... <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's like, it's like definitely my core group of friends, but I think there's definitely been like these industry, there's been certain people in the industry that I think have really had like my, like supported me, you know, whether that was someone like Harry Lambert, who's like an incredible stylist, one of the first people to pull one of my pieces and going to someone like Harry Styles, who was basically my first made like my first client and his continuous support, you know, whether that Ben Cobb from Love Magazine, it's, it's a great question because I feel like with fashion as well, it's always one of those hard things because I'm missing so many people. But even whether it's Alan from Roker Atelier who does all my boots, you know, I just think it's been a thing of people kind of continually proving that they would show up for me and believe in me and do stuff with me. But the good thing about that as well is like it constantly is growing and evolving who these people are and like everything and everyone that's involved. You know, it's so funny because as I was doing my notes, I had to write like early in the career. But then I also have to remember like you're 24. And fashion's also very funny because these aren't your, also, you know, these are my words, not Harris's. People in fashion are fake as hell. And it, this is Trey, ladies, gentlemen. Is, and I said what I said, and guess what I said what I said. And it can be very, especially in London, where we're all young. London is a culture of youth. It's a culture mm. of we're all kind of coming a lot of times up together. And mm. sometimes, obviously, maturity is in hindsight. Mm. And when everyone kind of has their own agenda and they want, things can get skewed. So that's kind of why I asked that, because it's always great to remember your community and all of that. That's very important. And as we're remembering things, I'm gonna, you're a Taurus and you're from LA, which <laughs> means you love self-care. And we got into it quickly, but what do you do for self-care? And also oh do, you use, do you use the bike? Okay, so the funny thing about the bike is the bike is now currently at my neighbor's house because they wanted to use it more than I did. I honestly have to say, again, I'm so also Taurus in LA in the fact that I'm the person to have the crystals, the candles, the meditation, the Headspace app, the fucking like yoga mat with like, you know, needles in it that's meant to be kind of a acupuncture. The thing is, I, in a perfect world, I would say I wake up in the morning, I do my headspace for 10 minutes, I do all my de-stress meditation, I then would bike ride for 45 minutes, take a cold shower, I would drink like <laughs> celery juice, but like, let's not, let's not lie here. So I really like my skincare routine, it's something that makes me feel really happy, something that I can put time into, but at the same time, I'm also someone who like wake up super hungover and they're like, it's like the McDonald's french fry grease on my eye. And I'm very good yeah. at Paltrow about this kind of stuff, the queen of goop, but at the same time she talks about, she just loves a good thing of like fries, you know. I feel like it's modern spirituality. Because I the- think so, I mean, we're young, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I feel like I can't stand those people that are like, 
and then I have my kimchi bowl and then I just have some broccoli. I'm like, bitch, you just took like five lines of cocaine. Like I was just, I'm from LA. I'm from the place where people are like not throwing shade. You know, I love LA. Oh my God. But it's that thing where like, I just think a lot of people that are very hardcore health people sometimes can be that thing where like, I'm like, I've also seen you at four in the morning and I'm not against speak about what you put into your body. And it's That's like, not my business. but say they're like, oh, are you having chicken? It's really gross. Like you need, why are you not vegan? But that's also, especially in this month, and you know, I don't even want to get into certain things today, but it mm. has been so funny to me to watch people be so performative, so performative. The one that I can say about mm. myself is like, I will drink a bottle of gin in a night. I will. Yeah. That's who I am. That's why they call me little gin, the gin doll. But will I wake up at seven and do a 5k because I don't get hungover? Absolutely. Absolutely. But that's my life. But now sis, you are an advocate and an ally. And we've talked about this before. I mean, obviously right now we're in a pandemic, so like the girls aren't in school. But these kids actually have it so nice. They like have euphoria to look at. They have all of these like great representations. How do you get to where you are in your journey? Because I'm gonna be honest, mine wasn't cute. People were not yeah. nice. People really always had me fucked up for free. I'm very surprised like, I'm not in juvie or like, well, now I'd be old to jail. Because <laughs> Like, I really am very surprised that like I didn't catch a case because mm-hmm. people really used to try me back in the day. But you have obviously, obviously everything is a work in progress. We're all growing and evolving. But for you, how did it take you to get to a journey where you are working and are so comfortable with yourself and being yourself and living your best life? I mean, isn't that the question? I think the thing, it's mm-hmm. so funny as well, like doing this whole podcast already, Trey. It's just funny because even today I did like two different interviews for so- some stuff because it's you. I also know when like, I never lie in interviews, but it's obviously, it's easy to remove emotion sometimes when you're talking mm-hmm. to someone you don't know. But when it's you, it's a lot more, like, I can't be like, oh, you know, there's like, a, there's a level of kind of serious honesty. I'm sure we share a lot of, you know, similar struggles, but then completely different struggles in completely other ways. But it's that thing where fucking growing up was tough as shit. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? When you're like this kind of little flouncing around hand out hey wrist, you know, is, wrist is limp thank you that's what it is. <laughs> you know wrist limped running around and it was this thing where i was labeled as being gay at the time before i even knew what being gay was and like, mm-hmm. i think you know like you just said so interestingly it's like when i think about the generation now and what they have to look at i.e euphoria i.e you even know you like, even they can look at you but i mean that's again i would I, I it's weird for me to say that but it is a thing well, like, when i did my gay times cover or something and you know the, the people that wrote me messages and that came out and you know what that meant to a lot of people who were not even people who are non-binary but also people who were like Fuck, like you've just kind of really opened up whatever this was inside myself but different time it's actually kind of crazy because obviously there's so much work still to be done but i think constantly you know i think even though i was laughing you know it's a serious thing that you say you know about this whole thing of your you know you're surprised you weren't in juvie or in jail because mm-hmm. well, i'm sure you've gone through some fucked up stuff and i just think yeah. you know, think back to me and like i definitely didn't have the voice course that i had mm-hmm. now. i think back then if i had this voice i would have gotten into fights and you know who knows also where i would have been i think back then it was a lot more i just took it as i should be ashamed of myself i should be all i really kind of internalized a lot and i think i always say this as well like you know i think the art of kind of dressing up and like performative kind of mannerisms within that way really helped me kind of reclaim who i was in my sexuality because as i said people labeled me before i knew what you know being uh, like mm-hmm. homosexual was at that time and I really used clothing to kind of fight back and be like you know what actually maybe I'm not even that this is who I am and so the journey was it was not easy I lived in Arizona I was living in Seattle I lived in Oregon I was living in France for a bit but Arizona I think was the toughest one and that remember 
I was in a school and I think I was probably like nine or 10. And it was very clear that I was different. Let's put mm. air quotes. Um, and I remember parents calling the school and telling them they wanted their kids to move from my class. They didn't want their kids to catch the gay. My teacher brought my parents in and told her, my parents how, you know, just, you know, Harris is really struggling with people and things like this. Also, he to sin. He's going to hell. All, my parents just had to sit there. My mom was working the fuck out of here. So thank God I had a really kind of strong powerhouse, like half Mexican fiery mother because she was yeah. like, fuck this. But it's, I really think, again, like it was, I always kind of say, and it's so, the thing that's so hard for me is especially like, you know, a lot of, if we strip away the, the design aspect, we strip away the people that I dress and they're sure the real, and it's, when people message me and they're like, hey, like I'm 14 and like I live in Kansas City and I'm, you know, I don't know what I'm, how to just be myself. And like, that's when like, I don't want to cry, but you know, you get those moments where you're just like, oh my God, like, what do you tell this person? Mm -hmm. I've been so lucky that I could remove myself. I might've had to stay in that situation for a while. Once, you know, middle school, high school was up. I was like, fuck that. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm privileged in the fact that I could come to London. You know, like, what do you tell these, these kids? You know, and like, again, it's that thing as well, where it's think fuck, they have, you know, more references to like look at in terms of, you know, positive forms of maybe who they want to be or how they want to identify. You know, I think back to like high school and watching Glee. And I remember being out and gay, Girl. right? And I was like, you know, I'm out and gay. You know, oh, if I'm going to be a gay guy, I have to be hurt. Girl. <laughs> I was wearing bow ties and braces and all like my H&M little suits and plaid shirts because mm -hmm. obviously I was thought that was me, but I also knew that that wasn't me. Do you know what I mean? It was, that was the only representation that I was seeing. Obviously I'm sure if I was a really like amazing kid, I would have been like, oh, like I knew, you know, a RuPaul, I knew all these other things, but it wasn't like I just saw someone like, me out in the media someone who just was a bit feminine a bit kind of owning it a bit different had a voice instagram wasn't really a thing obviously then in high school but like it was not where i went to look at my icons it's where i used to kind of post like what cute selfies and photos of coffee cups or something my starbucks today listening to my taylor swift like but i think it was meeting it was just meeting people that inspired like the shit out of me moving to london and just kind of it is that thing and it sounds like you know so trevor trevor project which can be the good thing of this thing is like it gets better yeah. you know and those people and you're kind of you know again obviously it gets better you know you do get sometimes smacked in the face and kicked in the jaw and then you pick yourself up and keep going but there is a community out there of people if you find the right one that like kind of so i'm like really going on a tangent here only because it's just it's no matter what you're going through in the present, you can always look back in the past and be like, thank God the universe took me out of that mm. situation. Like at least I've always gotten through things and overcame things. Mm. And at least for the kids now, right? Same as you, like who, who, who did I have like when I was growing up? There was Marco on Degrassi. Oh my God, yes. He didn't want, he never washed his hair and it made me really uncomfortable. Mm. But also I think we continue to evolve. And I think as us being us, we can never deny what art is being and, you know, our presence mm. can actually do for people. Yeah, of course. And we're going to get to your work with mermaids a bit later, but also thank you for being so open and honest because I think it really actually is important for, you know, I really am like a mom at heart because you know me. Like it oh really- Oh my gosh. Just so everyone knows, Trey is literally the person I call when my actual mother is unavailable. Like if my mom's in a meeting, yeah. I call Trey to get like the actual like- what I should be doing with my life and that down low. We've, people have done so much for us and you, you're like, you're like this as well. We pay everything forward. We push everything forward. Mm. That 
before, realistically, the generation above us, like, they didn't do that. Once the doors open, like, they closed it because, like, they weren't trying to even pay things forward or deal with things again, but not are representing that. When you first started your relationship with Gucci, how did this come about? My relationship with Gucci, it was, it was again, one of those things where I've been so lucky in so many ways that, oh, no, I, don't, I don't actually like the word lucky. I've been really, it's been really kind of cosmically fortunate. Thank you. So like really everything in my life has kind of come in a way that felt like it made sense and it was kind of organically connected. And I think Gucci came about where I finished doing Harry's World Tour clothes, finished like a lot of my school stuff. We were all going into like the placement year. And I remember I got a generic email for Gucci. I sent off my application. Later that night, I got a phone call from Alessandro's right hand being like, we would like to fly you to uh, Milan tomorrow to meet Alessandro. And I was literally shitting my pants in the library at like two in the morning. And I was like, okay. And so literally went home, set up a pair of trousers, flew to Milan, met Alessandro. And it was just one of these things where he was just like, he's like, I saw a photo of you in magazine that day. I then saw a photo of you and Harry on Instagram. And then your application came through and he's like, I had to meet you. And it was just kind of this really amazing experience. Him being like, will you walk in my show as a fluid creative? But at the same time, he has like this beautiful twinkle in his eye where you can just see, he's like, you like you know he has a plan. Like, you know he has a plan for you. And then went to Arles, did the show. It was spectacular. While I was there, they asked me to be in their gender fluid campaign with um, Mr. Harry Styles and Ariana and Zumi Russo, um, really? Leslie Minner, who is like one of the most, one of the first kind of iconic people to really be like a um, androgynous model icon. And so it was, it was just all kind of really crazy. And then basically I told them that's amazing. I, but I also really want to work here. I want to you know, learn. You know me for a while, Trey. Like I just, I love learning. I love using my hands. I love just, you know, developing as an artist. So I got like an interview. They gave me a job. I worked in made to measure VIP apartment and I moved to Rome and I did eight months there. I, you know, walked the show. I did the campaign in Tuscany. It was kind of, it was just, I mean, it was funny because it's just like, who gets to have that experience? Who literally gets to be the intern, the global face? and walk the, the runway and take over their Instagram as like as a fluid so it was even now it just still doesn't even feel real to me it was just it was kind of just a fabulous experience Alessandro is just such he's just you almost that person you like you like there's just you can't say anything bad about because he's just so warm and lovely and like yeah. amazing yeah just like a person who just really cares and listens you know I think especially like you know I'm sure you with you know within your kind of your own identities and you know who you are as a person have probably been told to do jobs based on aspects of yourself that people don't actually understand and that's a whole <laughs> other topic in itself we'll, we'll talk about when we're off the phone <laughs> literally but you know it's, it's that thing yeah. when I was more androgynous and modeling or when I was coming into being fluid, people were like, oh yeah, book Harris for this. You know, we'll put them mm. in a skirt and some lipstick and call it a shoot for Undisclosed Magazine. Um, and I said Undisclosed and that's not the name of the magazine. I'm just saying, we're not going to say magazine. But you know, it was a thing where like, it was a thing where they didn't actually, the editor, the stylist didn't actually know what it meant to be androgynous if that's what I was. Slash, mm. They didn't know what fluid meant. Where with Alessandro, it's like, he asked, he wanted to know, he wanted to educate himself. Like he was someone who was learning. And so it, the whole thing just felt so organic doing the perfume and joining that family. And then of course with working, I was just there to be a fly on the wall and just kind of push through my own design work and kind of grow as a, as a creative. Mm-hmm. And as a designer, we're gonna end, we're gonna, what was the best lesson that you learned when you were there? I think there's so many, but I think one of the things was that fashion really has the 
the power to really tell a story and to tell a narrative. I think my work has always had a message. And I think my message has always been this thing of, you know, being your most fluidly opulent self. For me, that means no fucks given. You're just completely being who you are. You know, you're turning heads. You know that people are saying stuff about you, but you're really evoking something within that's making people question their sexuality, question who they are, question why they have an issue with what they're seeing or question why, why they love it or why they don't. And I think Gucci showed me that you could have such an intense narrative and like the level of research, the level of news could just be so deep and multifaceted. And I think whether that was looking literally at, you know, going to museums, whether that was going into their library and, you know, really researching down to what that one stitch looked like from this old incredible book and the stitch, even to like the people that he chooses to use. I think Alessandro is one of the first people for a major brand to really bring on people with voices and that people who had their own stories, you know, whether that was when Hari Neff walked the show and really kind of supporting her and her her journey whether it was then picking like other you know, young creatives to do other kind of collaborative projects throughout the brand even as we've moved through kind of everything i just feel like gucci's he's just always really cared so i think so i'm getting on a bit of like you know a bit lost here but i think i just i just learned that fashion really has the power to make change and to make difference i also know that that comes with double-edged sword fashion also is something that contributes to a lot of the problems we have in terms of the world and the environment but i think if we take it down to the strict art form of it and the way that i think fashion will hopefully be evolving we go back to a bit more of a bespoke kind of couture-esque mode i think it's just having a strong narrative and having a strong message and believing in that message and i think Alessandro Michele is unapologetically who he is and he kind of leads his army of weirdos in that way and I'm so honored to have been a part and hopefully I'm still a part of those crazy weirdos I mean yeah you're still weird no but literally I'm Uh, still totally weird and I love it of course but that's again coming into yourself now you had your first capsule and I remember because I was on the phone right when it happened I remember when we got the call that you were getting the matches capsule collection I remember that being such a huge deal I'm not I'm saying that it was like 20 years ago it was like a year ago I love this whole conversation it feels really like we should be wearing we should both have gray hair or something I should have gray hair but like I'm telling you if you want to be a good ally also if you are a good ally in the London area I turned 22 this week so if you would like to pay for my Botox, my plastic surgery, my thread facial, please DM me at hey hey Trey Trey. If you want to be a good ally, open your purse and push my face back. Sorry, um, I just had to get that out. I love you. You know, it was such an obviously an incredible moment for you, mm. and still being in school, what? Has it been like starting a brand, not only in the digital age, before in an unconventional way that hasn't kind of been done in that type of situation? As you know me, I'm just that person to fake it till I make it. I'm the first person, if I believe in something, I just say yes. Like I don't actually think of, I have no factory, not even that, I have no seamstress. I have, you know, at that time I didn't even have this space. I had a flatmate. I was making everything in the kitchen. Like, you know, it was like, I learned so much. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It was some of the hardest times of my life just because obviously, especially at St. Martin's, like, they don't teach you how to do an invoice. They don't teach you how to use quality control. They don't teach you even how to really make a label, which I'm not throwing shade there because they've also taught me everything to be able to get to this point. But it really was figuring out everything almost myself, kind of step by step. So when matches happened, and not even just matches, but Natalie Kingham was the one to approached me it was like you know i was so honored i think she is such the og of fashion in my mind really she not only i think buys cool interesting young designers she buys people who have narratives and voices and i think she really supports and nurtures her talent so yeah it was just it was a huge deal and it really that is what kind of launched 
Harris Reed, if you will, into being a viable brand. I think before that, we had Solange, we had Troye Sivan, we had Florence, we had Harry, we had all the editorial staff, casuals, casual names. Um, I was doing the Gucci perfume, I was doing covers. That was my, like, okay, people, do you want to buy me? Is this something you're a part of? So the experience was just really crazy within itself, but then obviously add going to one of the most competitive fashion schools in the world on top of it. You know what I mean? I was like going to crits and being told that I wasn't very good or that this garment that I did was awful and then had to run home and start sewing up a bunch of tops and blouses and dresses for the matches launch. And then then I, I quickly then went the whole time as well. Then I went to Italy because it was in placement. It was so was bananas and it was so crazy, but it, it taught me so much. And I think as well, I had this mentality of it was very much because I had school I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to give it my all. And if it fucking falls apart or doesn't work, at least I can go back and, you know, learn how to make a great pair of trousers. Like, it was kind of that thing. Yeah. Like, school kind of let me be able to feel like I had something, not to fall back on, like but like... Like a security almost. Like, it's not... Exactly. Like, it was yeah. like kind of like, you know, a friend holding, you know, supporting your back a bit or like holding your hand. And now we're wrapping up, but I wanted to get into... You haven't talked about this a lot, but you are a big advocate for mermaids and shout out to mermaids do you want to talk about that because i think that's a very important topic we should be absolutely i i think even right now i mean for me it's always pride month but you know given kind of right now again like you know i mean Right now, it really is about Black Trans Lives Matter. I think Mermaids is a organization that is for all transgender and all gender non-conforming youth to be able mm-hmm. to have a service that really is able to not only help them, but you know, the people within their lives or people who have children. Um, and just kind of, it's a lot about, you know, helping people like kind of understand a more honest dialogue to be able to kind of understand their children or to be or those children to understand themselves really give people the tools that they need to be good allies to be good supporters and i believe mermaid sports up to the age i need to double check this of 18 i believe or 20 they really are there to be there be the hands to hold um, and i think for me right now we talk about obviously this, this new generation and how they really have so many different people whether it's you know hunter schaefer or whether that always even to me trans to non-binary to me a bit people to look up to but I think it really is about giving people the tools and the resources they need to be able to understand their own identities to be able to understand how to go about things and really it's it's about making sure that they're in a safe space and the people around them knows like how to kind of go about the situation I think they are just a really fantastic organization I'm really looking forward to doing hopefully more with them and I have some things coming up where I'm really going to try to make as, um, as much proceeds and everything be able to kind of go to that organization because I think any support we can give is amazing and no, I just, I think it's, it all starts with, all starts with the next generation. It all starts with educating people, right? Like, why wouldn't you want to just educate people right from the beginning instead of having people go into life and then, you know, realize that they actually know nothing and then trying to re-educate them later when they've already stuck in their ways. It's like, let's get people educated and understanding what, what's going on right now. So I think they're fabulous and I could not stand with them more or, you know, support them any higher. Obviously, these are unprecedented times mm-hmm. and... We don't know what the future holds, but as of right now, being that the world is opening soon, things begin to come back to normal. What is next for you? So I think that's honestly, it's such a great, it's such a great question. And I mean that truly, it's, it's been something that I toil with myself and think about constantly. If you asked me this question four months ago, it would be like, I'm gonna have a show in September. I'm gonna do the showroom route. I want to do this. And it really has been a time where I've had to kind of re-strategize not only what makes my brand work but what makes me happy and so for me that really is about kind of partnering up with not only vips that share the same ethos but also companies and brands that have the kind of same mentality the same kind of 
kind of constant thread of honesty, openness, and acceptance that I do. For me, there's just a lot of really fun collaborations on the horizon. I think I can't say too, too much, but there's just, I'm, I'm really going to kind of try to flip fashion a bit on its head um, in the way that I think in the past, a lot of brands would do 10 years of shows strictly in-house and then start doing collaborations and moving into other avenues where I'm kind of quite excited to jump head first into some really exciting collaborations that I really believe in. But no, so I'm very excited to jump into a lot of collaborations. I'm going to try to do things a bit my own way in my own in my own time, but I am releasing a capsule collection in the next upcoming week. And that's just me kind of using all my dead, dead stock and all my remnants just to kind of make really beautiful things that um, I hope bring a bit of escapism and kind of lighten people's lives. And that also is while I'm planning on doing 10% of all profits to mermaids as well, um, which I would, is that thing where I struggle with? Because I was like, I want to give all of it, but at the same time, I'm like, you need to fund yeah. <laughs> the next project. We're only defunding um, but... the police, not yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Love it, babe. So yeah, so, but no, just a lot of just really exciting collaborations I believe in and a lot of stuff leading into 2021. You know, I think I'm someone who loves to trailblaze and be ahead of the curve, but it can get a bit tiring sometimes. And I'm kind of looking forward to brands with love money to try things out a bit. So I don't have to be here gouging out my eyes and not sleeping to kind of figure out what the next wave is when like... The second wave is already coming, babe. I know, exactly. That's kind of it. I'm, I'm just excited. I don't know. I think through these times, even right now, I'm realizing how many incredible people have around me and love. You know, I'm going through a breakup right now. I'm just going through like my own personal stuff. I think it's just a thing where I'm just really excited to move forward and with just this artist community and just like, you know, supportive friends and supportive industry. And really, like you said before about, you know, this industry can be full of shady queens. And it's good to know that there's so many people out there that have all of our backs and that really want to see young talent flourish. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Also, by the way, I can edit that out. Um, but thank you so much, my darling, for doing this. And where can people find you on socials? People, I love your podcast voice, darling. Um, <laughs> people can find me on socials at, at Harris underscore Reed on Instagram and harrisreed.com. <laughs> thank you so much. And you can find me at Hey Hey Trey Trey. And my phone number is private, so don't try it. Thank you again for listening to OTT. I hope to see you soon. Well, hear you. Well, just join in. Thank you so much. And remember, we are still in a pandemic. So stay in your fucking house when you can. Love and light on site. Thank you. Bye.